Hello friends, this is Uli with The Good Fighters. Today I want to talk about resentment. So to make this personal, for me, um, again I was uh, saved in 2009, but I, and I stopped acting out pretty much then through a very very uh, traumatic experience in uh, early 2000s, 2004, 2003. I was brought to my knees and then without knowing God and living in desperation for about seven years, uh, I met God finally in 2009. And um, But it wasn't until 2017 that I really started working um, recovery that I really started working although I I was sober for many years but it was just I didn't act out in in lust and in in sexual ways but I dealt with a lot of anger frustration just overwhelming emotions that I couldn't get rid of so in one of the biggest revelations that um, God gave me through this recovery work was uh, the feeling of resentment and it came about through SA uh, Sexaholics Anonymous and uh, as I said 2017 and I got the famous white book which is like the blue book in AA <coughs> for sexaholics and I worked through it read through it and one day I read about resentment and the way God revealed it to me is, and it was explained also is that it's so you have a coin right it's like a coin lust is on one side but there's a flip side and of course like you know who the devil is he's a liar he cannot be truthful just like in the garden you can be as God well he forgot to tell them you know well you also die and you also you know uh, won't be provided for anymore and you also you know have strife and and all kinds of diseases in your life just like that he lied about the devil is lying about lust it looks so pretty it's just for fun it's beautiful it's doesn't hurt anybody right those are all the lies on the one side but once i pick up the coin and i start using it frequently there's this darkness that comes over my mind and my heart. And I never understood, nobody ever told me, but it's called resentment. And it comes with lust. It's not, you can't just have one. It comes together. <laughs> so resentment is, uh, God showed it to me like, like a, you know, like a black, you know, these tar, that they used to if they have a, a street and then they you know it breaks open whatever through the seasons and then they they fill it with tar have you ever seen how they work that thing it's like a like a black hot mess basically and it's, it gets then liquid and 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 that's in my mind's eye that's how i understand resentment it's this black hot mess and it attracts everything negative, anything bad. Um, 
And it's not just that, you know, I think about something once and then it's gone, something negative, something bad. It's like this playing it over and over and over and over again in my mind. And then justifying it in my own understanding that I have the right to feel that way, that I was wrong, and that's why, in all kinds of explanations, over and over again, wasting hours, days, weeks, months, and years. And that was something that <laughs> never any pastor spoke about this. Yeah, they, they said, okay, you know, you got to forgive, and we're all getting wronged, and blah, blah, blah. But this is different. This is something that, ha that I had train myself to do or something that comes with the lusts 30 years or what, whatever in lusts that I spend well this is the, the hidden part of it this is nobody talks about this the enemy doesn't tell you well you know this is what you get with it no it's something that comes with it and you don't want it I don't want it but still it's there leads to anger leads to outbursts leads to any bad thing so there's a couple of things I wanted to share with you out of the white book and for example here it says for the sexaholic lust is toxic here actually they're saying that lust is not a physical thing it's a spiritual thing which is true so lust is toxic. This is why in recovery the real problem is spiritual and not merely physical. This is why a change of attitude is so crucial. It's a slave master that wants to control my sex for its own ends in its own way whenever it wants. That's how one person describes lust. Lust, the attitude itself, becomes the controlling factor in the addiction. And here another guy is talking about, I remember that when I came off lust, alcohol and tranquilizers, resentment burst forth like a damned up volcano. And I don't know about you guys, any of you experienced that, but I dealt with that for years. And I was born again. And I went to church. I mean, I went not to church once. I went to church three times a week. I tried so hard in my strength, own strength, and I couldn't, you know, I tried to give it up to the Lord too, but I couldn't. That resentment just kept like overwhelming me. Here it says, lust is not sex, it's not physical. It seems to be a screen of self-indulgent fantasy separating me from reality. That's so good. Here it says, it's... It's anti-real, working against my own reality, working against me. Here it says, sex energized by lust makes true union impossible. And here, now this is coming back to where I started, I know I have a lust to resent. It seems as strong as sexual lust ever was. That is crazy, guys. You gotta think about this. 
And lust becomes the indicator of not only what I do, but what I am. Lust destroys the ability to love, it kills love. Lust destroys the ability to receive love, it kills me. Let me go through some more. Oh, here, I love this. In many of us, our sexual misbehavior seems to have been the vocal point for rebellion against authority. I know that's true, and I know also from a historical and political understanding of history this is true, because look at where we are today. We are at the, at the tail end of the so-called sexual revolution. All of us here listening to this somehow are affected by this. this is, for some of you who don't know what, what it is, it uh, started in the, in the mid-end 60s, sorry, in the mid-end 60s in the universities all across the world, in the Western world, I should say, United States and Germany, wherever. It was really something that was started by the cultural Marxists. So as the, the communists saw that they couldn't win uh, 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 the competition and the, the Cold War, with America and with the West in a, in a, you know, let's say in a, in a real competition because they were just not powerful enough, you know, like the restriction of freedom. Freedom is just so much more powerful. So they were losing that Cold War and they knew it. So they started a new thing, which they in started influencing um, the elites, so-called elites, people in the universities and the teachers and, and the professors in the universities and the politics in universities. And they started as, you know, if you study the subject of, of communism and Marxism and all this, it's, they started with sex. So they started to really go against the institution of marriage, that which is God ordained between a man and a woman. And then <clears throat> you know, of course, we all have this, you know, sinful nature. We all are easy to... So they inflame this this right uh, where we are today, women's rights, right? Uh, women's right to kill the baby within her, which is really just an offspring out of uh, lust where, you know, a baby is made, a woman becomes you know, fruitful or is fruitful or has a baby in a womb, excuse me, because of, of that uncontrolled, you know, sexual act that is not done as God ordained it in, in, you know, in the marriage between a man and a woman and then, you know, brought to, to full term and to life. But going back to, so the sexual revolution, so what started there was that, um, that sin was so like inflamed and we're free to, to have sex and we're free to do whatever we want. And that really, you know, gave birth to the whole flower power, which, you know, some of you remember the infamous Woodstock and people having sex and all over and drugs and, and all, all, all these lies. And then, you know, people coming out of that movement later, you know, becoming professors and leaders, quote unquote, no leadership at all uh, of society and universities and so on, successful entrepreneurs and so on. But this was all 
this is, you know, it might sound far-fetched for some of you, but this is a, you know, research it for yourself. This is a historical truth that since communism and socialism couldn't win in, you know, in, in the level playing field, that's what they extorted to, to go and the influence and to shape the culture through education. And then, you know, humanism became, is, is basically the religion of the Marxists and the communism. And it became, you know, and it was displayed as something neutral, you know, the objective. It's not. You know, and without an absolute truth, without a creator, there is no level playing field. There is no, without Jesus Christ who creates the level playing field, there is no redemption. There is no even, you know, we don't even have to argue. We are all condemned. Okay, so this is kind of like a far circle, but, you know, it all comes together for me in, in, in understanding if I look around and right now in the United States, the level of resentment and division, it all goes back to that rebellion. And I believe it has to do with that sexual rebellion very much because we as men, as I said in our last, in the last podcast, we, by God, <clears throat> men of God, the good fighters, we are called to stand for righteousness. So to protect women and children. And we have abandoned as a whole our post because most of us, I would say over 50% of us, those who are professing Christ and walking with God, fell into sexual sin. And a lot of us are still dealing with it on an ongoing basis. And that's a problem. It's a big problem. And, it, and one of these things, that's why I'm addressing resentment, that is coming with this is resentment and it's something that is dark it's likes to stay in secret because there's shame associated with it and the enemy is using all this and we got to wake up to it and there are ways out let me see where i'm doing on time there are ways out of this so let me let me uh quote some more here So, rebellion against authority. That's why I was coming from sexual revolution, rebellion against authority. It's powerful. And it's all about our attitude, inward attitude. Attitude makes the person. We are what we think. A wrong attitude toward others is the key to the negative spiritual process empowering the addiction. And that's really how it started for me. I mean, I grew up in Germany in the 70s and 80s, mostly like teenagers in, my 80, in the 80s, not my 80s, in the 80s. And that's what it was. It was really ignited, this liberating, you know, going against, against the government, against authority. And now it has become mainstream in Germany, in the Western world, and now the last, the last fight is here at, at our doorsteps right now in the United States. And now we are at a point where we, where they, meaning liberals, God-haters, 
have gone in our schools and are pushing on our children to for them to basically child abuse and child mutilation where it's it's talked about for them to you know if little benny or it feels like this way or that way they should have a change in how they dress and then they should have hormone blockers and then they should you know mutilate themselves with the help of doctors and counselors and that is entirely wrong it's completely wrong and we have to you know one of the reasons why i'm doing this here the good fight is we have to fight the good fight this is guys this is the good fight to stand up for those you know tossed by emotions and enticed and and lured into it's wrong guys this is as wrong as it gets this is wicked and evil and we have to stand up we have to stand up and the first thing how we can stand up is we have to get our own house in order so resentment at times i swear i'm hooked on resentment more than i was ever on lust or alcohol resentment is said to be the number one killer of addicts we'll have to start undoing our addiction from the inside out another one says yeah i never realized that i've been dragging my entire past with me every one of these people are still alive in my mind and i'm reliving every one of these incidences whether big or small this cancer has been eating away at me my entire life we defile and punish ourselves this is like a living hell guys all we can see are inadequacies wrongs and injustices injustices of others i don't know about you but i've been living like that for a long time not anymore but i've been in that for a long time we become increasingly closed off and defensive unteachable and willful and a kind of hardening sets in obsession with self is a negative spiritual attitude and force Yes, I got to be I got to be awful lonely sitting on the throne of God. We make ourselves God. The duplicity of holding resentments on the inside while being something else on the outside creates a split that not only isolates us from others, but from our true selves, separation at the very core of our being. So true. how sharply attuned we became to the defects of others often our judgment judgmental attitude took on great heat as we raged against people places and things it wasn't unusual for us to feel miraculously exempt from all judgment even divinely protected we deluded ourselves I have more to say on that. Um one of the eye-opening things here is a story in the white book. He's calling it encounter 
So this is the remedy, part of the remedy now. And it's this woman in this, you know, store, I don't know, somewhere. And they also receive mail there. So he has to go there. And the woman is just one of these people, like, totally... I mean, just with a terrible attitude, big mouth, and just, you know... And that, of course, if, if, if you know, I'm one dealing with resentment, that's, that's a terrible, it's like a terrible bait, right? So he says, knowing how I want to break out into resentment, every time I see her, I usually give up the right to do so before walking in and hold my peace. But then it describes how he, you know, he, he came in with the right, you know, uh, he wanted to hold his peace and he just lost it. And he yelled at her and shouted and told her and told her off, basically. And then he, after that, he started lying to himself. Like, you know, I know and many of you know how that goes. It's like, well, I didn't really, you know, and I was right. And just arguing the case within, within myself, right? And winning every time. But then in the same time, he started binging on food and, and just like, you know, over the next couple of days. And he knew that he was wrong. Food and TV. And he couldn't even pray without the scene coming back. <clears throat> and then he did what he knew he had to do. He, he, I asked for courage, surrendered my fear and pride, went back to the store and I told the woman I had been wrong in yelling at her. Unexpectedly, she looked at me with pained eyes and tried to explain. Instead of becoming angry, defensive or abusive, as I had feared, she was broken and vulnerable and I was moved to compassion. And then he goes on how to, you know, how he felt in this moment with her, you know, he felt like hugging her and just he, he you know, he touched her arm and he just, you know, and what happened is like, it I put my hand on her arm and that connection drew me to her. It broke the impasse of fear, anger and pride within me. I even wanted to embrace her. Tears welled in her eyes as she glanced at me shamefully, hung her head, then looked up again as though she was just as surprised as I at the gift of life flowing between us. In that timeless moment where we looked at each other, each knowing he or she had been wrong, each forgiving the other, there was spiritual union, a most marvelous and transcendent experience, a fullness of glory and great joy. I left the store feeling transformed, full of light and great liber liberating energy. And this, my friend, this is Jesus right there. This is, you know, the, the living God, you know, working in and, and through us. Wonderful. But it takes work. And it describes here, I was wrong, which I was never trying to extort, which I was always trying to extort from others, becomes, when I make it mine, the most wonderful words in the world. They bring peace to me. And that, that's me, you know, I try to always hear, and you can ask my wife, you know, from others, especially my wife, that she was wrong, she was wrong. And I would do whatever it took. I mean, I would, if, it, if, it, if life had to stop for two weeks, so what? I didn't care. 
As long as I remained right in my mind's eye, I was willing to do whatever it took. And just to hear her say I was wrong. And then, for me, throughout this work, really, this recovery work, and mostly while, while I was in Avenue, when it was... So the key point for me was like being in a committed group. So with SA, for example, 12-step groups, it was great. The material was great, but there was no level of commitment. So you, you have people come in and go on whenever they want and please. And that lack of commitment only allows so much um, in healing, I believe. Still, you know, I, I, I've seen people that are really took it seriously and they, they were healed. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so this, these words, I was wrong, are really powerful. And in, in Avenue, in this um, committed fellowship with other believers that are broken, um, I learned that, you know, to really confess my sins and be healed according to James 5.16. And, and yeah, saying that I'm wrong, you know, that, that took time and training, but it's such a freeing thing. Um, I'm almost ready to wrap it up here. just want to... Um, another quote here is, I'm not only my worst enemy, I'm the only real enemy I've got. What I do is what I get. Yeah, taking responsibility for my life, right? So the key to recovery and spiritual growth is the righting of our wrongs. It dissolves our guilt, sets us free, and energizes us with joy and strength. And I think this is really important for, for us believers to, you know, it's like, yes, Jesus covered us and as we confess our sins. But we have to confess them, first of all, and not just to God, but also to one another. And then, <clears throat> this is the whole purpose of the good fighters, then we have to do something. We have to <clears throat> admit where we were wrong. We have to humble ourselves. We have to actively do these things. And then eventually God is putting us in a place where we again have influence and where we then are called to stand for what is right in society and, and, and occupy that space and advance God's agenda. And this is why this is a not, it's not a neutral ground. And this is why the enemy has used this sex, sexual, sex, sexual uh, sin like, like no other. You know, this is why the Bible warns in the Old Testament and the New again and again and again about this. Because this is where he can weaken us. And this is where he has us. If there's double-mindedness, as it was explained here before, our prayers are not effective. Our actions are not effective. We are hypocrites. We are powerless. But if we humble ourselves and diligently work from the inside out, as, as one of the guys here said, then we become more and more effective in God's kingdom for his purpose. We become we're fighting the good fight. And that's what this is all about. I want to encourage you to pursue that. I want to speak into your lives. You can do it through diligent work and, and fellowship with others. You know, go to avenue.works to find an online group or an in-person group. Um, and I can also make more, more resources available to you. Um, and there's another quote here. Thus, 
If for every wrong there's a negative reaction within us that takes away life, for every act of doing right, there's a positive reaction that produces life. And that's who Jesus is, you know, he's, he's, I came to give you life and so that you have it more abundantly. And I want to leave it off here with a quote from the, the scriptures. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So this whole section here about resentment is really how, you know, how hidden it is, how much work it is to uncover it and to undo it. And But I really want to encourage you, be patient and... You know, it took so many years to, you know, to build this addiction and to get into it. All, think about all the hours. So be patient and, and give it some time to undo it. And it's an active process. It's not just, oh God, take it away from me. Yes, this is, this is all good. But then, you know, do the little steps, you know, repent for the, and, and make it known. Find a friend, find people, you know, for example, in Avenue where there's other, other programs, but you need commitment. You need commitment, you need the Lord, and you need fellowship with other believers where you can really start confessing your sins. So I hope you're encouraged through this and you're really uh, confronted with this resentment. It's a very dark and hidden thing. It's powerful, but we can, we can take the power away and, and shift it back to, to us as we are diligent and honest and we speak the truth and we're not afraid. So I thank you guys for listening and God bless you. Hey guys, this is Uli with the Good Fighters. Today I want to talk about the connection between pornography, the use of it, and sex trafficking. Um, in 2012, um, I was introduced through like a, a small program at, uh, I mentioned that before, at Redeemer in New York City. Um, I think it was every man's battle or something like that for the guys and the women as well, separate, of course, uh, something over six weeks or eight weeks or so, we met every week. And the leader of our group, a great guy, he uh, pointed out some resources and he pointed out a movie called 10 Seconds the Movie. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know what happened. Uh, the movie is not available anymore. I saw it in September. I purchased it September 27, 2012. Uh, that's, I still have that receipt in, in my inbox. Um, that was a milestone for me, a revelation when I saw that movie and understanding that pornography, the watching of any kind of, of sexual explicit uh, material is actually directly... I, as a man, directly support sex trafficking and the exploitation of, of women and children. Uh, the movie made that clear to me, and that, uh, that was on a hard level I understood that. At the same time, I had a daughter that wasn't even a year, 
in, in a room next, next to me while I, while I saw this and God showed that to me. And uh, I made a vow then and there that I would never look at this ever again in my life. And so I want to share with you what happened there. So in that movie, it's a, it's a short movie, maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm not sure. Very short, very well done. Uh, you see two, two main characters. So the main character, I should say, is, is, a, is a guy, a successful business owner, a father, beautiful family, uh, four children, elder at a church. He's totally giving, given to this uh, addiction, like totally given to this sex addiction. Like he's, he's uh, visiting prostitutes. He's, uh, uh, he's uh, given into voyeurism. He's given into... Um, you name it i mean he's full he's 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 way gone so now what happens is that you as you see him descend deeper and deeper in this different scenes um you see in a parallel uh parallel character which is a, a child where you see this child i didn't understand in the beginning it wasn't clear like this girl being groomed by an older lady and the girl is anywhere between, could be between 10, I don't know, even younger, maybe 10 to 12, I don't know, something like that. And it's not fully clear, uh, at least it wasn't to me, it, it's not obvious, but the, the movie pinnacles in, a, in, a, in the scene where the man with his youngest son totally in in the craze of the addiction, the young son in the back seat. Uh, you know, in a baby seat screaming and the, the, the father, the guy totally in, in the craze in the zone of the addiction is driving over there and to meet uh, through, through an ad in a newspaper to, to meet this girl. And while and then in, a, in the next scene, you see the girl being prepped to meet her first ever quote unquote client. And then the movie pinnacles in the scene where the girl is let into the room while the guy enters the room, while he leaves his son screaming outside in the car. <clears throat> this is a crazy scene. And that's really when the drawing cop, when the, when the coin dropped, when, when I really understood in my soul, in my heart, in my mind, that this is what this does. And yeah, as I said, I made this vow. It was a turning point for me, absolutely. A uh, powerful movie. I have my suspicions why this movie is not available anymore. There's a powerful force that's behind the pornographic uh, uh, pornography, uh, industry. It's, it's a billion dollar industry, very powerful. So, but whatever. So I believe we as men, men of God, we are called to to fight the good fight, as, as the name says, we, to fight the good fight. And I want to show you with uh, something that <clears throat> I've been shown where the Bible talks about this, and that's in Numbers 25-7, where it talks about Phineas, who um, actually stepped up to the plate as the Israelites were more and more fornicating with the with the the women of the Moabites who then turned them towards um, idol worship there was one guy who of the Israelites who came into the camp Zimri or whatever his name was doesn't really matter to me 
came in the camp and as Moses and the leaders of Israel were repenting because there was a plague that broke out, think about this at this time, a plague broke out and they were repenting before the tent of tabernacles before God, Moses and the leaders and all the people. Now this one guy, the chief fornicator, comes into the camp with a woman of the Moabites to uh, before God, like really in the face of everybody, to, to fornicate and have sex with that woman. And went in the tent and Phineas, who was, uh, I believe, the son of a high priest uh, at the time, took, no, and everybody was watching, nobody did anything. And he stepped up and he took a spear and he went in that tent and he basically, he, he, he killed both of them in one strike threw the man on top, whatever, into the woman's stomach. That's what it says. Bam. And he was, you know, God was very pleased with him for stepping up, for the zeal that he had for the honor of God. And that's what I believe we are really called to do at this hour. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that even, even though whoever whosoever will whosoever is in sin whosoever is is in darkness right now but that is a purpose that is honoring and that is something i felt very strong on my life and i really feel this <clears throat> vibrating with me within me resonating i should say <laughs> vibrating resonating within me so this is a strong strong thing because i was so involved on the other side and um and i just want to encourage every man here that is listening to this, to really consider this, read this account and, 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 and pray about this, this um, um, what I shared with you here that, you know, even every look, every image is, is directly connected to a soul, to a person behind that image. And all, All of them, they are precious. They're, they're created in God's image. They're created by the living God in, in His image. And they are, God is zealous for them. They, he loves each one of them. And we as men are, um, our responsibility is to protect them and to honor them and to provide for them. And as you guys know, when, uh, when we get into this, this, this sin, we do the opposite. We, We exploit them, and it's abominable in God's eyes. Okay, there is grace, absolutely, and I'm not, you know, but it is abominable in God's eyes. So we need to repent from this and to seek healing, which, you know, with, with Avenue and there's different Celebrate Recovery and there's all these things out there where we can get it. And then I believe, you know, which is true for me, and I believe for, for there's a pattern in the Bible so repentance is not a one-time thing. Oh God, forgive me for my sins and uh, uh, Jesus come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. That is that's the beginning, but repentance is an ongoing thing. So for us to understand that is, is, is very important, I believe. For us to understand that we need to repent on an ongoing basis and that will lead us to a place where we actually want to restore and help restore what what we what what we you know what we broke what we messed up what we um 
pour down. So that is, uh, if you read the Bible, if you look at the bigger picture, you see it again and again. That is, that is where we get purpose as men. So I want to encourage you again to, to look into that, look into the Bible, look into your own heart, pray about this, and ask God where, where you can begin this journey. And don't even think that uh, you have to be perfect in order to do this. And it can be done through giving. There are great organizations out there, National Center on Sexual Ex Exploitation. Uh, that's a lobbying uh, uh, organization out of D.C. They are very, very good. They have... Uh, you know, several things they're doing and uh, they're very active on, uh, they have a dirty dozen list that they put out every year where they call out companies like Google and Facebook and all this abominable companies that are, you know, saying they're so, so free and they're always looking for, you know, to stand up for the week, which, you know, a lot of what is going on online Uh, exposes very young children and our children to dangers and to being groomed, really. There's crazy stuff that's going on there. It's, it turns your stomach upside down once you learn and read about this, how uh, predators men are grooming children, teenagers online. For years, you won't believe it. For years with patience, understanding the patterns of the, the emotions and the hormones that they're going through in their puberty and exploiting them and, and posing as friends even in church to eventually get to a place where they can uh, then uh, get them to a place of emotional dependence and waiting for the moment when there's maybe a, 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 you know, a moment of division between them and their parents to come in and divide them piece by piece, step by step away from their parents and their friends and lure them into uh, sexual addiction sexual addiction, and actually pimp them out. I mean, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. If you guys, you know, that to me is a cure right there looking into those things because it makes it abominable for yourself you don't even want to look at this anymore because you understand there's no innocence in it that is the cure right there and in my understanding is so much in that so much in it if you can hear me on this please hear me on this yeah and then of course there's other things you know there's other uh Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, I like what they're doing. You know, they're going out there. They're posing as, you know, people um, that are, you know, looking for, you know, objects or children. And then because you have to be caught, they have to be caught in, in you know, in action in order. And they work to, with the local law enforcement. And they, I mean, they really do some amazing things um that's right now there's many there's other things of course that are that are out there um but you know just look around you know investigate those things and learn about them and and really you know learn about the results and the the consequences of what that does to our children you know, to our children. So yeah, this is um, one of the, the 
major these are some of the major things I wanted to share today um, let me just check my children are here screaming and distracting me so I have to go from room to room sorry for any any noise or interruption in the background but yeah those are those are the main points and um, I think that's for it no, that's it for now and if you guys have any you know any uh, questions or comments on this um, I'll work together uh, with with Chris he's going to help me to put all these uh, these podcasts out I have a phone call with him today actually April 1st 2020 um, to, to help me put this stuff out if there's anybody who wants to help with this come on board with it um, in any capacity you're welcome to contact me my email is ugradinger at gmail.com but I will actually set up an email account for this uh, the good fighters I'll set it up and, and let you guys know next time I'll get on it right now actually so yeah guys thank you very much and god bless you and if there's anything you need help with um i get the email out as well uh you know regarding this if you are in a situation where you're really struggling and you need some help uh contact me feel free to contact me at uh at uh you can contact me at ugradinger at gmail.com uh so that's you and then great g-r-a-d-i-n-g-e-r at gmail.com I'll set up an email also for this. And there is help out there, guys. There are, you know, we're part of Avenue. I did a, did, did a, uh, a podcast on Avenue. It's a very, very powerful, uh, I would say, almost discipleship group working with this these issues, recovery and restoration. And um, there's there's help out there. So don't be... You know, reach out. Okay, God bless you guys. Bye-bye.